Blaze Radio presents He Heat Check. <laughs> This is Heat Check, and with college football in the rear view, shout out Stetson Bennett, uh, just tearing it up, living his best life. We will let him do that, and we will focus on the thing that folks have said that we are good at, those folks being me. College basketball season. It's in total chaos. Basketball gods knew exactly when to press the button as soon as they got the captive audience from the college football crowd coming over, being like, what's going on with this college basketball thing this time of year? Um... Every team in the top ten, it felt like lost this weekend, and I believe we're without a single undefeated team at this stage in time. Uh, Baylor goes down to Texas Tech, just anarchy all around. Duke losing at home to Miami. We're going to talk about all of it, do some midseason stock game, Gabe on Gabe's, which promises to be a very good one, and then of course we'll close it out with scholarships and sanctions after I get my employer rankings to this point in the year. We're about at the midway point, Gabe. Before we start to get specific. How shocking was last week to you, just as a whole? I think that Tuesday night was more shocking than anything that happened last weekend, in, in my personal opinion, because not only did Baylor lose, but the, the fashion in which they lost and the fact that they lost in a game that they led by 15 in the first half. And Texas Tech, in classic Texas Tech fashion, because usually, and we'll talk plenty about Texas Tech on the show today, uh, but usually they kind of grind grind it out and get it going early to the point where you don't have any offensive flow or offensive rhythm. Baylor got off to a 9-0 start and yeah. got off to a huge, lead in the yeah, first half. a huge lead in the first half. So usually once you've got that with Texas Tech and you force them into a spot where they're chasing and they're trying to score, it is significantly harder to for them to manufacture success. And they still did it, which is why it was such an impressive thing to me. It all comes on the heels of them beating Kansas on Saturday. It comes on the heels of USC losing earlier that afternoon in a weird game against Stanford that tipped off at 2 p.m. Pacific time um, in in Palo Alto. And all of those things to say, we end up with no undefeated teams two weeks or just about two weeks or a week and a half after New Year's, which was our bet uh, going back to the, the preseason preview. I hate it here. You so, are luckier than a leprechaun. Like I don't understand how it, it just everything always seems to work out for Gabe. It certainly seems like it. Is it nice living a life like that? Um, it 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 feels nice that every time that we have like any semblance of disagreement. I tend to be on the right side. Do you like, think that's a you thing or do you think that's a me thing? Like Nova beating Xavier, that is what, even but, funnier because, and I'm sure we'll get to this, uh, Nova should have lost according to shot quality both times. Uh, with, not just should have lost, would have lost over 75% of the time if it was averaged times. out. Both, both times. times. Yeah. Um, so... I think that's pretty remarkable. Uh, Wake Forest over Duke. Sometimes that was a swing. That was a swing for you. I, I was betting on Duke just not being as a young team, being able to just shake the Miami loss against Alondis Williams, who's one of the best players in the country, against a pretty good Wake team on the road, a place where Duke actually has had 
in the occasional year a little bit more trouble than they should have. Um, obviously got that one wrong. Yeah, continue though. Well, and, and then Wisconsin, we come back to... I don't know if it's just cruel or if it's just you do this to yourself, but sometimes you back <laughs> yourself, like, I'll give a take, and then you'll go opposite of it, and you'll force me into liking something else. So it's like, I'm down on Wisconsin. I expressed a little bit of dissent toward the Johnny Davis National Player of the Year uh, take that you texted me, didn't necessarily put out into the ether in early, mid-December. and I did. I did. He's been the top of the... Employer rankings okay. for the last month or so. But going back to it, it's like that happens. I express a little bit of negative energy toward Johnny Davis, and then I find a spot where I like them at home to pull off a top 15, top 20 upset against Ohio State, and it happens. So that just kind of has been the way things have rolled this season. Um, I would love for the competitiveness of game picks to be a little higher, but truly the thing that frustrates me most is that this past week, we almost lost every single game that we ag- agreed upon. Yeah. So, you that, should know better. Fade me. Fade you at all times. Yeah. I guess. I guess that would be not not a horrible strategy. I'm not even picking that poorly. I'm above 500 by double digit games. Yeah. You're just on a rampage. Yeah. Uh, who I, hurts you? Why are you? Uh, who are you getting revenge against right now? At, at an all time pace. I think that the quiet thing is like. I've just gotten smarter about picking games. Like, not to be narcissistic Carson Brever at this point, but like... Oh, wow. Uh, well, if you follow the social media page of the Nerd Sesh fellas, there's just a little bit of tooting his own horn and um, and resulted in a one-game win in the game picks over on their show. Uh, Logan is probably currently watching Netflix movies that feature Noah Centineo. I don't even know who that is. Um... You're you're better off not knowing. Okay. Um, and I'm ashamed to have no, to have watched as many movies. It as sounds his. like he's like a, a chick flick dude, and yeah, pretty he, much. Based on the fact I grew up with sisters, so I feel like I should be more exposed to that. But yeah, but I don't think you're big. Netflix movies are the hallmark movies of our generation, so that's that's the way that, yeah, that, that goes. But good for Logan, uh, or I guess bad for Logan. Good for Carson. I I just think that advanced analytics, not to not to be that guy. You are, helped, but you helped, are that guy. Have helped me pick games at a at a higher pace. And I think you're going a little a little gut feel and all that. So I we'll see how it. It sounds like we need to start on making a champion because it might be the year that your formula bears true. Considering your track, it record. might be, or and you might be shooting all your bullets now, and then it's going to come to March, and our, our tournament challenge is going to be a little one sided the other way. We'll the see. True, the true test will be my bracket. Yes, year. absolutely. Like, if as it always, if is. this goes. If this trends toward March, we might have an elite year. Yeah. And and honestly, the bank account could probably like we haven't been dabbling in that regard quite yet. Might be time to get back in. But then who knows? Maybe the luck runs out and then I'm down bad. So who knows? Shout out to the money line. I saw Trevor today. Just downtown. Chilling. Doing his job. It was cool. Hadn't seen him in like over a year. Anyway, this is the money the money line. This is Heat Check and of these upsets that happened this past week, and there have been a ton. You just mentioned UCLA, USC, both those very unexpected. Which one has stuck out to you the most as the most concerning? Not the most surprising, but like the most alarming 
considering your perception of the team that lost? I'm not worried about UCLA. They lost a game in which there was no fans, no home court. The UC school district or schools, whatever, the, all those colleges have gone online for two weeks. They've, I guess, decided that they're not taking or they're not playing games with fans in attendance. Um, and so because of it, Oregon goes into Poly Pavilion. Nobody there but parents and fa- parents, friends and family. And they win that game. Good for Oregon. I think Oregon's figuring things out um, and has the best chance probably of anyone. I guess Stanford could be in that conversation. Washington State maybe could be in that conversation. Um, probably not Washington State. Their, their non-conference strength of schedule is really, really bad. But Stanford and Oregon, I think, have as good a chance as anybody of being in the conversation for that fourth Pac-12 NCAA tournament bid if there is one to exist. Um, I know the Pac-12's down, the ACC's down, aside from aside from Duke, aside from North Carolina, um, and then the three Pac-12 teams that are all top 10. But honestly, the thing that concerned me more than anything else is probably USC, not, not the Stanford loss, because I mm. think Stanford's respectable and I really like Harrison Ingram and all those types of things, but just the continued trend of USC not doing anything overwhelmingly positive. The the Cal I watched the Cal game last week. Not the most impressive performance. I understand they were coming off of a COVID pause. USC was. Um, you you the, then you have the Stanford loss, and then last night flirting with losing to a three win Oregon State team who has absolutely I guess made a deal with the devil to take that Elite Eight run last year and then now just be one of the worst teams in Power 5 probably the worst Power 5 team I would think Yeah, um, I can't think of anyone worse or with a worse resume so the fact that USC was in a game in which with two and a half minutes left I had legitimate thoughts of them losing uh, and, and then that was a real possibility that that alarms me so I, I think I'm most worried about USC as a team as one of the top 10 teams that lost this week but more worried about the game that they didn't lose than the, the than the game that they did lose, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it's an interesting take on what's been going on. And for USC, I mean, the biggest concern for me is that I am worried that this offense, it feels like they struggle a little bit too much, especially to create shots from outside that they can hit. And, and that's the big thing. Because a lot of the what they do is sustainable, right? But it gives you a hard ceiling. Got to be able to make threes in March. It's just a fact of the matter now. And for USC, they've gotten a lot out of Boogie Ellis. Mobley has been good, but they're going to need to have somebody step up and really start to stretch the floor for them. Yeah. And I I don't like their wings, but we can, to hint toward my uh, buy, hold, and sell stock game, we could talk about USC a little bit more later. Okay. Let's let's talk though about Texas Tech's big week because yeah. I, we both had eyes on them. I am repping not only Texas Tech University but Patrick Mahomes as this is a pretty big Red Friday. Ah, uh, not necessarily the biggest Red Friday uh, for the Chiefs this weekend, but the NFL playoffs up and coming. So I felt like felt like this was a good shirt to wear given the occasion. But Texas Tech on Saturday they beat Kansas seventy five sixty seven. They come back on Tuesday they defeat Baylor sixty five sixty two on the road, and then last night take care of business, handily win against Oklahoma State. So three straight wins uh, in a five-day stretch. Um, You add to it with just 
the manner in which that they've done it and mm-hmm. the fact that in eight consecutive games they have limited their opponents to a season low in points in the paint. And the fact that they do that, limiting all these points in the paint with no elite rim protector, not I, I is it fair to say that Texas Tech won the divorce with Chris Beard? Like at, at this it's early returns. <laughs> but but I I mean Mark Adams seems to Where did be, he come from? Like he looks like he's a guru. he's a substitute teacher uh, at somebody's like preschool. I don't know. Like what's up with the sweater vest? He never matches. I I, like, I, I don't even know if he wears him. a sweater vest, but he looks like a guy who would wear a sweater vest. He does not match his quarter zips or sweater vest whatever with the rest of his coaching staff. Like they always wear different things to him, which I find That's weird. He's pretty much been a lifelong assistant, or at least he had been an assistant with Chris Beard for a while because he was at Little Rock with them. Sweater vest confirmed, tech. by the way. Sweater vest? They're not sweater vests, but they're, they're vest vests. They're Under Armour vests. So it's like he took a quarter zip and cut the sleeves off like he's uh, Mike Vrabel. Interesting. Uh, I mean, he's a huge... Uh, his. I'm just going to his Wikipedia page. Um National Junior College Athletic Association Hall of Famer in 2020. And he's doing it, ironically, with uh, Adonis Arms, who is a Mesa Community College guy. So the, the, the Adonis Arms story, the dunk that he had against Baylor, super impressive. Um, and I thought, I don't know if you saw this note, the largest road deficits overcome to beat a number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. Stephen F. Austin... 15-point deficit 2019 against Duke. BYU 2017, they overcame a 16-point deficit on the road against number one Gonzaga. And then it's Texas Tech on Tuesday night beating Baylor, and they were down, as we mentioned, 31-16, and then they went on a 17-2 run to tie the game at 33. Unbelievable. So I I have a love-hate relationship with watching Texas Tech. I have the belief that they're better than most people have I think now people are in on them, mm-hmm. in on thinking that they're a top 15 team. I've always thought that they were a top 20 team based on the advanced analytics and the, the Ken Palm numbers, the Torvik numbers. Pretty much always thought they were one of those teams. Not a lot of people believed in them until they won these two games. But at the same time, and Saturday, yeah. I was extremely upset and very bothered by the amount of grabbing nuts and falling over that was taking place. So, and that's, to put it lightly, like I just... That's to put it lightly? Yeah, I think it's a very, it's a disgusting way to play basketball to allow guys that are bigger, faster, and stronger to drive by you and then be bailed out by guys falling over. Not going to repeat the first part, but I, I stand by that take. Okay. This is the, I have to imagine Mark Adams is one of the oldest first time head coaches, like ever. He's 65. He's like the antithesis of John Beeline. Yeah. Because Beeline. Head coach everywhere he's ever been. Then he takes the assistant coaching job. Uh, I forget where he's at now, but he's he's an assistant coach for the first time in his career. And Mark Adams is like assistant coach everywhere, or at least assistant coach for a while, um, some time in the yeah. athletic administration. And now he's a head coach at a Power Five school. So right, uh, he made the jump to D one, going to Arkansas Little Rock in twenty fifteen. So he's not been at this level for very long. But he's been a coach for 40 years, and this is his first season as a D1 head coach. That's pretty incredible. 
it, yeah, it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. Let let me say this. I don't know how many times Texas Tech could replicate the results that they got against Kansas and Baylor, who, by my estimation, are the two best teams in the country. So, to I me, there's about to be a massive overcorrection on Texas Tech. Yeah. And I wonder whether or not that, that will elevate them at all and get them to start believing they can really hang with some of these big dogs and accomplish that, or if it will put a target on their back that's unnecessary because teams are going to see it as an opportunity to beat a team that they may be closer than others to in terms of ability and boost their resume that way. I, I worry a little bit for Texas Tech because I think this is a little bit better than they should be capable of playing, but O'Banner's a great player. Shannon's a great player. They've got guys, and I'm interested to see how long this run can continue for. Well, the belief that they can be better is centered upon the fact that McCullers' ankle could be better. Terrence Shannon Jr. can come back. They didn't. They beat Kansas with neither of them. They beat right Baylor exactly, with, and that's the shocking part. Only McCuller and no Terrence Shannon Jr. So if you're if you're to play the game that we're about to play with buying, selling, and holding stock, and and doing the college basketball stock game, if you are still buying Texas Tech stock as it soars and as the price increases, that is a belief that Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to come back, be really good. And that that is going to sustain. He them should at be this their level. best player. Yeah, the he, well, he is their best player. Yeah, but they haven't. They've done all this without him. So that's the impressive part. If you are selling it, you're you're basing it on a belief that over time, or at least this is the ironic thing as someone who has followed and watched the Big Twelve mm-hmm. a ton. Aside from Baylor and Kansas, and Kansas is the second team. They've kind of gone downhill in the Ken Palm rankings, and I think a lot of that has to do with the availability of Remy Martin and the fact that they're not running as much and that they need him back. So it's a short-term, I think, dip for Kansas. But aside from them at 1 and 2 with Baylor mm-hmm. and Kansas, I think that 3 through 8, we've, as a collective college basketball media brethren, have missed the mark consistently on who is where accurately. So we're overvaluing Iowa State for a time. People are beating Iowa State. That we're inflating the value of wins over them. Now we're going to move Texas Tech back up mm-hmm. and and kind of retroactively. So building resumes in the Big 12 is, to a certain extent, all of these are good wins. All of these teams, I think K-State's the worst team in Ken Palm, and they're like 72nd, yeah. and they're the 10th place team in the league. Yeah. That's insane. But all these are good wins, but some of them, the true value of it is not necessarily accurate or fair because for example Oklahoma beat Iowa State on Saturday in Norman and they are just about equal teams by the adjusted efficiency measure and I think I've I've loved watching Oklahoma play this year but I think a lot of people who aren't paying close attention to it are like huge upset yeah. like you're beating no I think Iowa State was 13th at the time and it wasn't like the the gap is not that large between three and seven in the Big 12. Because I think Oklahoma State's dro- dropped off a yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. And then TCU and K-State aren't great, even though for for not great in a league, they are very good relative to the bottom of the Big 10, the bottom of the Pac-12, the bottom of the ACC. So I think that's the interesting thing. And on like any given night, three through seven in the Big 12 are going to beat up on each other. Yeah. But I think now would be a pretty solid time yeah. to bet on Texas Tech losing a game or two that we're not expecting. Listen, to. if we started doing Super Dogs of basketball, too, which maybe we should. Maybe we should evaluate that. Um, Saturday morning Super Dogs? I don't know. I, I don't think that 
it would be so crazy to think that Kansas State might get Texas Tech on Saturday at home. Literally, yeah. Uh, you do. know, <laughs> exactly. No, Kansas State has lost three of the four conference games. They started 0-4 in the league. They've lost three of those games by a combined eight points. They easily could get a Texas Tech team that's starting to feel itself a little bit. I don't think that's impossible at all. a.m. tip. Yeah, TCU. Mike Miles could pop for 30 on any given night and beat you. In the entire totality of this league, it is the best league in the country. There's no doubt about that. The top end is probably the most robust of any league in the country. It, the night in, nine, night out of the Big 12 this year is going to see to it that some teams that should make the tournament aren't going to. I think that's fair to say as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I, I think seven mid league. Oklahoma, I think it's seven mid league. I think everybody who that's seven of nine because Oklahoma State Isn't Oklahoma State eligible. A would not be yeah, eligible for sure. B. That's why seven of nine is not been, really fair. Yeah, but they've been disappointing at the same extent because they yeah. really wouldn't have made it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. it really is seven of ten. Um, yeah, but given that, like TCU, they were up at half on Baylor on mm-hmm. Saturday. Mm-hmm. They they were leading, I believe first five minutes of the second half, and they were still in the game for a significant portion of it. And it's like, that didn't even flash on the radar of, like, it would have been shocking because it would have been Baylor losing for the first time in 20 games, and then they turn around on Tuesday night and they lose for the first time in 21 games. But it's still not crazy crazy. Like, TCU is competent. Mike Miles, you've already said it, is going to get somebody this year. Like, that's going to happen. it will happen. It's, like, Texas Tech... Texas, Iowa State, Kansas, all of those teams better watch out because they could they could get got. And honestly, the the Big Twelve tournament in terms of quality, if if the first night gets us through with whoever's the seven seed not screwing up against uh, mm-hmm. against ten, which is probably gonna be K State. Um, and I don't know. I guess the uh, I guess the bracket probably changes because I don't think Oklahoma State's allowed to play in it. So I guess if eight and nine. Like whatever happens there between TCU and K State, if TCU gets in, one through eight is going to be interesting. By the way, just an update on a game that's currently in motion in West Lafayette. It's already twenty-five to nine in the first nine minutes of the game between Purdue and Nebraska. Jaden Ivy already has nine points. That's a get-right game for Matt Pater's team. Uh, Everybody in the Big Ten needs to see, uh, see needs to see Nebraska. Remember when you were high on Nebraska preseason? Rare swing and a miss. Rare L this season for me. But, yeah, Alonzo Verge has been great. Go Huskies. Deep cut. If you get it, you get it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Gonzaga a little bit because it's the time of the year where we start to forget about Gonzaga. The WCC maybe a little bit quick to the draw on pronouncing them a capable conference of fielding four or five tournament teams. Doesn't appear that that's going to happen. Santa Clara's tailed off. Uh, BYU has certainly tailed off. Haven't looked very good after getting that early win against Oregon. We started to buy in. Losses to Vanderbilt as of late. Uh, Obviously got crushed last night by Gonzaga. But talking about those Bulldogs scoring just at an alarming, alarming rate for opponents. They've scored like NBA numbers these last two games, given Pacific is Pacific. But... 228 points in two games of college basketball. I can't recall an offense scoring at this rate for Gonzaga ever. It's even last year it's they weren't scary. doing this. Yeah, I'm, I'd have to see. 
So their tempo this year as opposed to last year, they are playing at quite literally ex- the exact same pace as last year. Um, offensively, they are approaching where they were at last year in terms of efficiency. And they're doing that with less elite guard play. I mean, Andrew Nemhard was really good last night. Um, he has been solid. I think that the Duke game and the Alabama game um, don't necessarily bode well for a six-game NCAA tournament run. And I think Gonzaga can certainly win the national championship. It wouldn't shock me. But I'm going to say, like, we're going to forget about him. We're going to forget about him for good reason. Like, the WCC, as good as it has been this year, and, it, and as much as we believe they're probably getting three bids, other than San Francisco and BYU, I have legitimately no fear of anyone who plays Gonzaga at home. And if they're at, if they're going on the road, the only game I'm really scared of is BYU because BYU has a legit crowd and a, and a home court advantage that is tangible. So I would love, I think that San Francisco is probably getting in the tournament. I think BYU is probably safely in the tournament barring collapse. Um, but like you're not, you, there's not many answers for Gonzaga, and we've talked about this multiple times this year. There are certain teams uh, that don't bode well for Gonzaga, and there's probably more of those teams in college basketball this year than there were last year. I think you would agree with that. Uh, probably, probably. But Gonzaga, there's some teams that like legitimately step on the court and have zero chance to match score for score with them. Yeah, I think that's a byproduct of they're two different teams last year, and the teams that match up well with them, I think, are slightly different, right? Alabama, that kind of opponent is going to stretch them in ways that a team last year, I don't think necessarily would have because they were smaller, right? And they were able to get up and down the floor a little bit. Well, the tempo stats indicate that that's not the case. I'd, I'd be interested to see what they regulate out to by the end of the year. But I'm checking the database right now. And I've gotten back as far as 2015-16. At no point has Gonzaga scored this many points in a two-game span. I have to imagine it's going to be a long time until I find that number. I'm going to keep looking. But these last three to four years, a few, have been his best teams offensively. And this one might be the best of the bunch, which is really interesting considering Nemhard has been good, but you wouldn't think the guard play has been what it has been under the watch of guys like Kevin Pangos or Stockton, Jalen Suggs last year, and other guys of that ilk. They are the first team in Division One in the last decade to score 60 first-half points in two consecutive games against Division One opponents. That is courtesy of Jared Burson. I could have guessed um, that. And that is, like, 60 points and a half is remarkable. 60 points and a half, two consecutive games is absurd. They're, they're not going to continue at that level. They might. You would think that they couldn't, um, given how insane of a three-point shooting mark that they've had. And I don't necessarily think that they are the greatest three-point shooting team. Um, But it's incredibly impressive. And they are going to once again run away with the WCC. And we will once again say, move to a bigger league. That's the end of my Gonzaga talk. Okay. I'm back to 08-09, and I still have not found. You're not going to find. I wonder if it's the most of the Mark Few era. It probably is. I wonder if it's the most that like a team in D one 
When was the last time a team in D1 scored this many points in two games? That's the territory uh, we're at. The last AP Top 5 team that scored 110 points in consecutive games was Kentucky with the 2015-16 team. But did they score 100? 2016-17 team, which would have been the... I believe that's the Shea, De'Aaron... It's either the Shea team or the De'Aaron Fox team or... I don't know, all the it Kentucky It wasn't the De'Aaron Fox team the because they couldn't guards. score. Anyway, point is that I think that this might be a year in which Gonzaga dominates the WCC more so than normal just because of how much bigger they are than normal. Chet Holmgren is a guy night in, night out that is going to influence games in the WCC more so than a, a Cade Cunningham even would have last year because of how physically dominant a guy like that is. And the guys in that league are used to playing centers that are 6'8", not 7'3". Yeah, like there, there's no one in that league that matches up with Chet. Not a single. Not even person. close. And like, have the debate: Is it good for you in the NCAA tournament? To, and that's the question. Yeah. It's like if if you had a college course that in the first two weeks, I don't like those. Just gave you the three hardest assignments of the semester, and you had to do them within a week the week and a half and then they gave you nothing but take home quizzes that you got to look over your book for 20 straight quizzes and then you come to the end and you're given a note a note free hardest exam ever it takes three hours all these types of things ask yourself do you think that sets you up for success i'm probably like this is probably a really bad analogy no it's one of the best analogies you've ever made actually but like it just is illogical, and I think that I think that I I know it would be really hard to do this, but what the Big Twelve and the SEC do of scheduling a big time non conference matchup at the end of January, like Gonzaga needs it. They need one team or somebody, and I know it's going to be it'd be near impossible. And this is why they probably need to move conferences. Is they need a big non conference game in February? It used to happen against though. somebody. Well, because we used to have bracket busters, and that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, absolutely, but no, we, we used to have this happen where teams would play each other in February. Mm-hmm. Duke would go and play at UCLA in February, right? It would help the coaches recruit, and it had value that way. Gonzaga would really benefit from trying to do that or just joining the Big East. I mean, you're in Washington, so geographically, yeah, but you charter your flights anyway. We've seen that that doesn't really matter, and it's a religious Christian school close to a big city, which fits the the mold of the Big East, and they don't have football, which doesn't matter because it's the Big East. Yeah. It's the only logical fit for them. Unless the Pac-12 wants a basketball-only member in the same way that... uh, In the same way that the ACC has... Notre Dame. Has Notre Dame and everything that's not A little different, of course. Well, yeah, 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 but... But like that's those are the two feasible outcomes. Yep. I mean the Mountain West would be even better, but at the same time we're probably complaining in the same way. Because yeah, I was about like to say, San well, Diego State the other year had a, a one or two seed before COVID happened and the tournament didn't happen. Didn't happen, but we were complaining that there were nights where there, it was like San Diego State can't lose this game. And, yeah. And that San Diego State team wasn't even close to yeah. what these Gonzaga teams are. The problem with that is that if they go to the Mountain West. And we're probably, you said it was your last Gonzaga thought about five minutes ago, so we're probably wandering a little bit too far down this road. Beating a horse um, that's already dead because we've made this argument so many times before. (sighs) Um, Shout out Trevor. 
Save the cows. <laughs> um, but, man, I don't know if it changes if they're in the Mountain West. Uh, San Diego State, uh, Medvedev is doing an incredible job at Colorado State. He's probably gone next year. These are stepping stone jobs for good coaches most of the time. San Diego State maybe could, on a year-in, year-out basis, kind of push them a little harder than BYU or St. Mary's has at their peaks. But I just don't think it's much different. The bottom of the league might be a little bit stronger, but it doesn't change anything for me. Yeah, I completely... I think we both have the near-identical Gonzaga ideas of, like, I I don't want to see them in the bracket if I'm a lot of teams, but... Also, like somebody is probably going to knock them down, you would think. Because it's just, they've shown time and time again, if they had four straight big tests, and I think last year they played a pretty tough draw of the bracket, it's, it's a big challenge for them. Let's talk about the conference that they dominate. No, I'm not talking about the WCC. I'm talking about the Pac-12. Again, deep cut. If you get it, you get it. Chaos. Just anarchy in a league that I had no idea what to make of. UCLA, USC, both go down yesterday. USC on the road at Stanford, UCLA at home against Oregon in overtime. We already talked a little bit about both. Arizona, aside from the loss of Tennessee, where, frankly, they got hold by the officials. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said grabbing your nuts earlier. We, yeah, we, well, they did. This they is did. not on Blaze Radio Airways. We're okay. Uh... I just I don't know what to make of it. I, I really I don't know what to make of UCLA. I don't know whether or not I should give some benefit of the doubt to USC, who's been in and out of being able to play games, and it's been tough. That can be we saw that with Baylor last year. We've seen that with multiple teams that the pausations just it just throws off your rhythm. If anything, not even talking about the health aspect of it, but for the guys who have tested positive and actually have had symptoms, just the body rhythm of okay, it's Thursday, I'm going to get up and I'm going to play a game. And having that thrown off and not knowing when you're going to get to practice again. That stuff matters too. I don't know how big a part you think of what happened to USC it is. I certainly worry more about them though than UCLA. I worry about USC certainly more just because I, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe in their top end talent nearly as much. Like Isaiah Mobley's good. He's, he's a professional basketball player. He will play in the NBA to a certain extent. Um, he's not his brother. The guard play, Boogie Ellis is good. Is he the good. best point guard in the conference? Who, Boogie? Yeah. Um, no. Like, I would take... I would rather have Tiger Campbell. Wow. Run my team. I would rather have... I think I would rather have Kerr Creesa run my team than Boogie Ellis. Like, I, I'm that big on Kerr. Um, During the Tennessee game, a friend of mine asked if asked me if that was Steve Kerr's son and I had to give him the whole story. Yeah. It's like, no, his actual dad just really loved Steve Steve Kerr. Kerr. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I would pick both of them over Boogie Ellis. Um, And and still, and like, not to be disrespectful to Boogie Ellis. No, do it. I love disrespect. Tyrell Roberts. Good for ratings. State is really good too. So like, I don't think it's out of the the range of possibility that he's the third or fourth best uh, guard in the league. I just... Nothing on USC overwhelms me. Like, I almost think that they're the reverse of last year in the sense when, like, when we got the bracket and the first thing I said was USC is going to the Elite Eight because they are 
physically mm-hmm. a more talented team, and they don't match up like they match up extremely well with Kansas in that second game, and like that's exactly what bared out. And then they got a great matchup with Oregon, who beat Iowa, and I think that they are the reverse of last year in the sense that they don't have Evan Mobley anymore, who just changes the dynamics of the, of the floor spacing. He changes how you play defense. He makes you overwhelmingly better. And because of that, there's the, the margins are thinner for them, and it seems like they are winning by the thinnest of margins against some of the bottom teams in a bad bottom of a bad league. Like, the Pac-12 has not been a good league this year. Um, I hope that doesn't lose me my vote. <laughs> but George listening in? Yeah. Who's this kid? Uh, yeah, no. It, it, this past week was the first time that I did not vote for the person who won Player of the Week. Usually I'm on. Who did you vote for? I voted for... Just flexing his, his vote, media vote. Who did I vote for? Um, I cannot remember. Just mathering over and over again? No, I did Just not bang vote the for... button? I... I sh- Pretty much every time, except for I didn't it works. Vote. I didn't vote for him this week. Seventy-five percent of the time, it works every time. He's running away with Pac-12 Player of the Year, like most likely. Ben Matherin at this point, I think. I think next week, or at least after this weekend, maybe we can have a mid-season award show. Um, maybe that'll be our first episode on Blaze. Is a mid-season award show, but I think Ben Matherin is on that first-team All-American team. If, if if I'm starting it, if we're going based on who's taking a huge leap, whose team is winning their conference at this point, like all these kinds of things factor in. Yes. Uh, teaser ahead to the end point rankings did not make my top five. Maybe should have. That's disappointing, and I feel like that's maybe an oversight. One he, of us might be an objective journalist, and the other one. No, no, no. Uh, he wasn't. When I looked <laughs> at the Torvik, uh, because I usually look at that just to get an idea of what's going on and work backwards from that inject my own personal opinions. He was not high on that list. He's actually very low. He's 30. Which was surprising. Yeah, I know. Um, it's one place where I... So, maybe an oversight. Staunchly disagree. I, I think he would probably be like 6 or 7 to me, though. At this that's point. Fair, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Maybe we talk about it Wednesday yeah. on Blaze. No, I, I, I have it compiled. I'm okay. ready to give it later today after you do Game on Games. Okay. I already teased it, but... With that professional level segue set up by myself, I also teased a walk down Broadway or whatever street, Wall Street. That's Wall the street. one. Yeah, Broadway That's the one. Is acting. That's the one. Uh, Wall Street. Acting as if you can objectively watch Arizona basketball mm-hmm. and not well, be mean about it. Some of us have <laughs> ethics, Gabe, um, and morals and principles, uh, unlike you. Okay, so. Stock game time. We're going to give you two teams that we're up on, two teams that we're holding the line on, just like we're buying GameStop stock, and two teams that we are, at this point in time, willing to sell. This one will hurt me a little bit more, I think, than it will hurt you, some of the teams that I'm having to get off the train on. Okay, so I operated under the assumption, for some of these teams, um, that I needed to go based on opinions I've previously shared. Uh, specifically for holds and sells because they are probably teams that I have been staunchly advocates for or against. Um, But for buying teams, I'm going to buy more stock 
in a team that I've been pretty positive from the get-go on. Uh, we had our first podcast of the year of, related to college basketball, and we picked the awards, and my national player of the year was Kofi Coburn. And I'm buying more stock in Illinois because after the first three games of the season, they've kind of figured it out. They've done it in different fashion than maybe we thought they were going to. Andre Curbelo, I was a big big fan of his uh, when he was playing along on, alongside Io last year. He hasn't been the greatest this year. He's only played four games. He is once again not playing with the team, um, kind of trying to get things right with him. But in his absence, Alfonso Plummer has stepped up, Trent Frazier has stepped up, and guess what? Kofi Coburn is averaging 22, 12, and 1 uh, block per game. That's And he's not necessarily the biggest rim threat, but he is gobbling up rebounds just like Oscar Shibwe is. Uh, maybe not at the exact same no, level. It's, no, but it's not does, at the same rate. He but does yes, something offensively saying. in the paint in terms of paint scoring that Oscar doesn't do for Kentucky. Um, I think that Kofi— It's actually not separated by that much, as somebody who just looked at the numbers earlier. And, by the way, Shibway in his last two games has scored 29 and 30. Okay, that's just, fine. Just point that but, out. But I think that you game plan for Kofi a little more than you game plan for Oscar. Um, and I— would be intrigued to see where Kofi falls on the employer rankings. I yeah. am buying Illinois stock. Much like Texas Tech, they have remained roughly 10 to 20 in the in the Ken Palm rankings all year long. Um, I think right now they play tonight, and they are – they play tonight against Michigan. They are still the 25th-ranked team in the country, um, while Ken Palm thinks they're the 12th-ranked team. Sure. So I think that the – over time, the numbers are going to bear out that Illinois is going to be a top 15 team. I think when things are all said and done and we sit down on Selection Sunday in roughly eight weeks, I believe, I think Illinois is going to be a top four seed. Um, and I think that they have as good of a chance as anybody to win the Big Ten. So I am buying Illinois stock. What they have gotten from guys that they didn't think they were going to get this from, and, and that's just kind of been a trend throughout college basketball, a lot of dudes have been playing roles on a national level that we didn't anticipate. And the poster child for that is, of course, Isaiah Brockington. But you just look around the nation, Plummer's a great example of that. Mm-hmm. There are so many dudes this season who have done things. Oscar Shibway is a great example of that. What's gotten into him? The level up he's taken. I was worried he was going to be a detractor for this Kentucky team because of how he alters spacing in a negative way offensively. Where does this come from? That kind of stuff, the jumps that a lot of these guys have taken, which is interesting to track considering guys have gotten this extra COVID year and and coming off of the circumstances that were so different last season. Illinois is an example of that. Now, I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten because of a team that I'm going to mention. I think I'm going to save them for my second of the two teams I'm up on because the other one is a lot spicier, and that is – the team that you were so high on two years ago, you got the wrong A-10 team that started with a D and an A and wore red because that was Dayton's year, but this year is Davidson's year. That is a team I am super up on. Of course, they got the national attention as they sit 13-2 and right now heading into A-10 play by beating Alabama. I don't know how much of a benchmark that can really be considered as because Alabama has shown the uh, – Propensity of playing up and down to the level of competition. That's the only way you lose to Missouri ever. Yeah. Uh, but 
the style of play is something that you obviously are going to adore because they get up and down, they shoot threes at a higher rate than really anybody in the country. 40% of their points this season have come from behind the arc. That includes free throws. You look at the fact that they've made 148 threes this year. They've only made 157 free throws. That's insane. They're not attacking the basket. I mean, it's not even that. It's just that they get threes up, and they play an extremely high tempo. And in the A-10 this year that we thought was going to go to St. Bonaventure, an A-10 that's pretty good. Richmond can get people on any given night, have some of the best scorers in the country. VCU is one of the best defenses in the nation. Dayton has shown what they can do against teams like Kansas and Miami, beating decent teams. I was waiting to see what your reaction would be when I mentioned Miami and Kansas in the same sentence. There was no reaction. Miami's decent. They're decent. Okay. Uh, Chuck Moore. Chuck Moore at shout all Shout out times. Chuck Moore. Chuck Moore, worry less. Yeah. Davidson is a team I've got my eye on the rest of the year. I'm a fan of this. Their two losses this year are to San Francisco, who's an NCAA tournament team, and to New Mexico State, who is the best team in the WAC. Shout, out, shout out our boy Braden Bell. Um, I don't think that's a debatable statement. I think they're clearly better than GCU. I think they're clearly better than... CBD. Uh I'm not willing to go there. I think GCU is right there with New Mexico State. Okay. As somebody who's watched them play a couple times okay. this year, I'm not a huge fan. Okay, that's fine. Um, it's not a bad loss for Davidson. And you couple that with a win over Alabama, who was a top-10 team at the time. I know that some people are going to, or lots of people who have AP poll votes, are going to not rank Alabama because they lost to Auburn. And at the same time, they're going to reward Auburn by making them the number one or two ranked team in the country after this week. The logic behind that and the logic yeah. behind the way that people vote for AP poll stuff doesn't always make the most sense to me. Um, Alabama is still one of the top 25 teams in the country. It's one of the best or one of the most important or most impressive. I'd say Davidson beating them is probably one of the 25 most impressive wins of the season. Sure. I don't know. That's not necessarily the biggest bar to ever put. But – yeah, I was two years early on, on Davidson, I guess. <laughs> so quite um, quite a bit early, but good for good for Bob McKillop. Good for him. Forty one point four seven percent from three. It's third in the country. They're fun to watch. Yeah, uh, and they because of that, they are a team that could win one or two games in the tournament if they do get in. And that, the question then becomes: I'm buying the stock. But are they going to be in a position where currently the net rankings are out now and are starting to make a little bit more sense as we get more data? In the net, they're currently sitting at 51st. That's not good enough to make the tournament, and they're 1-1 one one against Q1. They may get the opportunity to get like three or four more Q1s throughout the year going on the road to places like VCU and Bonaventure. But I don't know, man. They also might be in a situation where they have a great year, but the committee might discriminate against them a little bit because they may not win their league. I'm not sure how much they are going to be the beneficiary as well, the fact that some power leagues are just not going to send as many teams. Yeah, they, I mean, they've got to win their next three. Like, three-game stretch on the road tonight against Richmond, uh, the 18th, that's Tuesday night against VCU on the road, and then at Fordham. Like, three straight road games, that's a tough test. And just the fact that there's no ranked teams in the A-10 and they're figures to not be um, – the win at San at St. Bonaventure, or at least going to win there on February first, would be very important for them. Um, they probably can't get more than four total losses 
You think it's like that? Yeah, because unless the Alabama win is valued by the fact like if, like Alabama is going to have to play a lot better over the stretch just to help them out, um, I think so. Should I go on to my second buy? Do it. All right. Um, you'll find a trend. My trend a lot of the time is just going to be who do I think is better than the national perception, better than what their AP poll ranking is or who's worse than or whatever. Um, I'm going to buy more stock on Villanova. Ew. You don't like them because... No, I can't Colin, deny what they've been doing lately, though. You don't like Colin Gillespie. That's fine. I don't necessarily love him. I don't think that this has necessarily been the greatest year for point guard play at the power five, power six level. Mm-hmm. Like I think that there's plenty of guys who have been pretty good in terms of guards across the country that aren't at the P6 level, like Max Aismas. He's still there. Malachi Smith Malachi has Smith been Smith at Chattanooga has been very good. Antoine Davis is averaging 23 points per game at Detroit. Like the, the elite guards, and maybe this makes the NCAA tournament a little more intriguing if we get the right teams in. Mm-hmm. Um, is that there's great guard play from teams that are going to be 14 through 16 seeds, and that's again that's a byproduct of the extra year. Yes, but that's kind of the recipe for getting upsets is having great guard play mm-hmm. from from the lower seeded teams. It hasn't necessarily gone the way that we necessarily thought it would with with Villanova, but a lot of that is because their non conference schedule or strength of schedule was one of the top 20 in the country. It was It's the 16th ranked non-conference strength of schedule. And because of that, they go and they play UCLA on the road. They play Tennessee in Connecticut. They play Purdue in Connecticut. They go and play Baylor and all of those types of things. They only win one of those four games and a lot of people were down on them. And I think that this is one of those things where we're going to have to monitor and track and I might sell my stock before they start playing other teams. But I'm buying in on Villanova dominating the Big East, and I'm buying in on Villanova winning the Big East. Because Even though the numbers are telling us they are squeaking by and winning games they shouldn't. Yes. I'm buying in on – I'm buying – let me be clear. Xavier is better than them. Ugh. I'm buying Villanova to win the Big East. I would sell them against a large portion of the other national contenders. Okay. And yeah, I, which is and most I, years for Villanova I, as of late. Yeah. And I don't think that they're going to win – I, like, I don't think that they're better than the top – teams. I don't think that they would win the Big 12 if they were in the Big 12. I don't think they would win the Big 10 if they were in the Big 10. Mm -hmm. Um, In the ACC, I think them and Duke is a very comparable situation. Sure. I don't think that they would win the Pac-12. Like, I think that the, I think UCLA, we saw UCLA play them. It was very close. I think Arizona is better than them. Um, So that's my thought on Villanova. But I'm buying them to win the Big East. Okay. I'm going to go to the Big 10. Uh, Michigan State. Okay. Who is thirteen and one after losing at the Champions Classics to Kansas? Played well in that game, just wasn't as good offensively as KU that night. Currently sitting at fourteen and two, they're three and two against Quad One, and that's the most concerning area to me because they just don't have that big of a Q One resume yet. But they are five and zero against Q Two. They've won eight in a row by an average of ten points per game, and Max Christie is really starting to score the ball a little bit better for them. Their leading scorer to this point has been Gabe Brown. Shout out Gabe on Gabe's. We'll get to that in a minute. But Christie should be this team's best player if they're going to reach their highest level because he is their most talented player. He's a freshman. But in his last four, he scored 16, 21, 11, and 17, starting to get that scoring average up. If at some point this year he can become this team's leading scorer, 
I think Michigan State is going to be my pick to win the league, which is not something I thought I was going to say coming into the year after them disappointing the way they did last season. We have the advantage of December conference games in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And so we have the advantage of the fact that we've both given thoughts on this league before. It sounds to me like you think Michigan State could win this league. It sounds to me like I think Illinois could win this league. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating that as we're sitting here and Purdue is beating the crap out of Granted, Nebraska. but We've not is, talked about Purdue. It is. But my point is it's wild to me that Purdue is as good as they are offensively and we can confidently say that we are – not most confident that they're going to win this league. Yeah. That's crazy. It's because they've not played any of the big dogs yet, and they've got two losses. Two conference losses. Like, Wisconsin's got the capability of winning the league. Ohio State probably out of the race for now, but always could get back in. Right? Indiana's going to get teams. They're not going to win the conference. Again, more on that here a little bit later. But that top group, I think realistically, there are what? Five teams that can win the Big Ten? Michigan State, Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin, Ohio State, right? It's that five? Ohio State can't win the league. Okay, and you'll kick them out, so that's fine. Four, right? Michigan State's got the best coach, at least historically. Michigan State, although is unspectacular realistically at anything in terms of their metrics and just their raw offense, defense, they might be the most balanced team in the league. Like, you know what you're going to get from them defensively. You know they're not going to just score 50 on a random night. And the biggest question for me with them is that against the elite competition they've seen, aside from, I don't know if UConn counts as elite competition. They're a very good team. They're a very good team, though. Like, if you're confidently in the tournament, I'd say very good team. And, and, and to be fan. fair, UConn, their resume can't really be fairly judged because they played half their games without Adama Sinogo and missed Gaffney for a stretch as well. And now he's back. And, he's and now he's back, and UConn's going to probably get it figured out and be a factor, at least, in the Big East. I think Michigan State right now is still somehow flying a little bit under the radar just based on the byproduct of them not having a chance at any of the elite teams yet. They've just had to dispatch the Minnesotas and the Nebraskas that have been in their path, and we'll see what they can do against Purdue and Illinois and some of these better teams coming up. Okay. So I'm getting in on the ground floor on that because I think that that has boom potential. Yeah, I think that it it's not a bad strategy to hold stock on a team that has two losses, and the two losses are to Baylor and Kansas. <laughs> exactly. Like, and Baylor and Kansas early in the season when you know that they are – pretty finished products they've got teams that are they've, they've got teams that are veteran laden old teams um and and coaches that have been at their school for years like Izzo the beauty of Izzo is even when he does have old teams and I wouldn't necessarily say this is the oldest team because they're so rel- or they're decently reliant on a guy yep. like Max Christie but they have Tyson Walker they have Gabe Brown they Marble. have they've got Hauser like they've got guys who have played three or four years in college basketball and as they continue to get used to playing together, um, because they've got the transfers and they've got Christie, it should get better. Like I, I think that you could be down on them because they won by two against Minnesota, or you could spin it as a positive and be like, they won by two against Minnesota despite not playing very well. And by the way, that's the only game that's been even remotely close since they lost to Baylor. And they already blew Minnesota out at the barn. Mm-hmm. And we know what the magic of the barn can be. 
Yes, we do. Uh, at times. Marcus Carr, I feel like, would like to capture some of that and bring it back with him to Texas. Yeah. Um, I think I think buying Michigan State stock could be could be pretty smart. Um, I will go to my holds. I'm going to start with Kansas. Uh, okay. Here's the deal with Kansas. If you look just – this is one of the things, the blind things about looking at the, the advanced numbers. Um, and if you just blindly look at the rankings, you'll see that in Ken Palm they are now the 10th ranked team. But if you look at how close they are in terms of adjusted efficiency margins to everyone who is 4 through 10, they are within a point of all of those teams. Uh, or 1.5 points. Can I stop you real quick? Yeah. I, I love how the love triangle of Ken Palm, yourself, and Kansas basketball has caused you to defy Kenneth. That's the breaking point. No, 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 no. I'm not defying him. I'm saying that I'm holding the stock as it's lowering. The Kansas stock, as of Defying last week, him as he drops them down the rankings. No, he's not dropping them down. They're the 10th. But the rankings are dropped because of the, the efficiency margin. And I'm saying that that is so close that, okay. that is Damn, almost I thought we were really having a moment. It almost certainly is going to bounce back. And this is literally just a Remy Martin is dealing with a knee injury dip. Like, this is very explainable. It is going... This this stock is going Wait to Wait until Mitch Lightfoot saves them. <laughs> we should not be in for the Mitch Lightfoot save. We should be in for Remy coming back, them playing faster. Yeah. Their tempo... I think this is indicative of, of the way that they are and, and the fact that if they play slower, you negate the, the advancements of Ochai and you advance, you negate the advancements of Christian Brown. And if they play without a guard who threatens the defense uh, in the way that Remy does, and I know that he hasn't scored at the level that he typically did at Arizona State, and that they should un- unleash him a little bit to do that. And I think that all of this time without Remy Martin has maybe enlightened that in Bill Self mm-hmm. because he said as such on Tuesday night, we need Remy Martin. With all of those things there, Christian Brown can't be at his best if Remy Martin's not on the court because a lot of Christian Brown's effectiveness as a cutter, he is still really good right. at doing it, but the looks that he gets are significantly better if there's the threat of Remy Martin expanding the defense. Um, so I am holding the stock because I think it will bounce back once Remy comes back. I think that they should be able to, and I think both of us have picked Kansas on the in the game against West Virginia tomorrow, and they probably will not have Remy Martin is what it sounds like. But as long as they get him back in a couple weeks when they played Texas Tech and then Kentucky and then Iowa State on the road and then Baylor and Texas, like that five-game stretch is all top 20 teams. Um even if I'm down on Iowa State, it's hard to win at Hilton. All those types of things. If they get him back, they're going to bounce back. But at the same time, the Ochai consistency, the fact that he's averaging yeah. 20 points per game through 15 games, no one in the history of Kansas basketball with Bill Self has done that. No one has averaged 20 points per game for the first 15 games of the year. I know that Wayne That's Simeon, insane. Like Wayne Simeon averaged 20 for the year, 20 plus for the year. Frank Mason in his National Player of the Year campaign averaged 20 for the year. They weren't averaging 20 points per game through the first 15. Mm-hmm. So if he sustains this and he if if Bill Self said today he thinks Ochai can be better, I think that that is certainly true. Like yeah. I, I think he can pick his spots a little bit better and he can continue to feed off of teams. And hopefully he understands that with Remy out, he's got to step his game up in this tomorrow against West Virginia. 
and maybe this upcoming week. Um, I'm going to hold my stock there. But if if Remy's knee issue is like a huge deal, I would be a little bit more down on Kansas. I, I just think it is important to have context. And I will say this, while I'm holding my stock on them as a team progressing, I will also be lower on them in the heat check poll this Sunday than I have been if what they do against West Virginia does not bounce them back up because I'm married to the analytics. It's insane <laughs> to me for Ochai that, you know, he had the blazing hot start, has tailed a little since then just in terms of raw scoring, 29, 25, 25. It's crazy to me. He scored 20 or more in eight games and is averaging 20.6 per game. Like, he's just baritone consistency. Uh, I'm going to get you 20. I'm not going to get you more than 25. But I feel like he's capable of doing that. The real barometer is, okay, will his shooting persist? Because right now he's shooting 50-40 splits. Um, Stroking the ball ridiculously well from three. If that hangs on, Kansas is going to go to a whole other level when they get Remy back. And the the wild thing is if you look at the shooting splits, and Jesse Newell did a really good – job of pointing this out Kansas is catch and shoot rating like their success they're in like the 90th or above percentile in catch and shoot mm-hmm. opportunities when guarded and they're in like the bottom 10% confidence man but they're in the bottom 10% of catch and shoot opportunities when they're unguarded so they make no sense where they're they're hitting hitting shots with guys the in the face factor. and they're missing when they're wide open and if that like I guess you could argue that it could go up both. It could go up one way and go down the other, and that's probably the yeah. logical. But like, there's room for growth for them. Yeah, it's like a couple of years ago, Luka Doncic was shooting like something like thirty percent or twenty eight percent on threes with no defender within seven feet of him, and on step back threes with a defender. Uh, I think the smothered is the designation that the NBA website uses. He was yeah. shooting like forty percent, something like that. Carson Berber will check me if that is a straw man argument that I'm making. That's not the accurate representation. But bottom line is that, yeah, that makes absolutely no sense at all. Uh, the big question for me on Kansas and whether or not this is going to be a good bet by you is what happens uh, with their front court. Uh, Jalen Wilson's been good. He's been really good, especially as of late. But whether it's, it's Dave McCormick or Lightfoot, or maybe you even want to see Clements just get thrown out there to see what he can do. Well, he's got a foot problem, but... And I think Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson can, can be so much So as a five-out lineup, like I said in the preseason, actually this team's best option. And I don't know what Yesifu is going to bring at any point either because he's injured. This team's really banged up. Yeah, this team is really banged up. But I think I think the answer is still like David McCormick figuring it out. And that's, that's that the scary thing. That's the scary thing is because I think you can make a legitimate case that if you put – almost any big man from the rest of the Bill Self era on this team, like this Kansas team is significantly better. Jeff Withy? But, yeah. Oh, my God. Because it would up the defense on that team yep. by so much. But it's just the variance and the the lack of a lack of an ability to have reliant performances from David McCormick. Like you just don't know what you're getting night to night with him, and they need to get to a point where they do know night to night what they're getting from him. Um, and the floor just needs to be raised because, like, really the ceiling, they don't need Dave McCormick to go out there and score 16 a night. They need him to be able to get 10, 10 a game, and not take dumb shots, not turn the ball over, and then rebound well. Because, like, offensive rebound rate, he's one of the top 10 in the country. Defensive rebound, he sucks. It doesn't make any sense. He's 
a maddeningly confusing player. What point is it time to make a five-out look your primary lineup and just rely on Christian Brown rebounding and doing enough boxing out and just scoring a a ridiculous amount? Yeah. Jalen Wilson being a great rebounder makes it more feasible, but Jalen Wilson shooting like five of 35 from three-point range makes it very hard. But it's like, does it though? Because it's not like you're getting that from Dave McCormick. Does it really change anything? Especially yeah, if he's not getting defensive rebounds. Because you can't run post-ups through Jalen I think the four spread, you still have to respect him, even if he's not making threes. At some point, you would think he would start to. Yeah. Driving lanes would be more open. It would certainly help Remy to drive and create. I, I thought that that was the right answer dating back to last year, and I still think it's probably the right answer. I think the right answer would have been getting in the portal and getting a big that's not a guy from a D2 school. But that's, like, not something you can do now. A Who, you got next? Who you got next? Uh, I'm going with Xavier. We've already talked a okay. lot about him. Okay. They're 12-3. and three. Think about what the national perception of them would be. And given, I keep saying they should have beat Villanova both times. Fine. Sure. They didn't. Okay, cool. Point made. Think about what the national perception of Xavier would be right now. Mm-hmm. If they were... What? 14-1 and one with two wins over Villanova in the driver's seat in the Big East. Even if they had split. They beat Iowa State in the non-conference. They killed Virginia Tech. Didn't they, well, they, maybe didn't kill, they get beat by? No. Iowa no, State? yes, yeah. Uh, well, points a little deflated by just me being an idiot. Uh, they beat they, Ohio they, State. They, they beat Ohio they State. They beat Ohio State. Um, you know, they got good wins in their non-conference, right? They went to Oklahoma State and won. I just think that with Fremantle and Nunji and their guard play, the fact that they've got guys that, according to shot quality, you have love a way that. to get to my ear. According to shot quality, are taking the best shots in the country. 60% expected field goal percentage for some of these dudes. And we're talking perimeter players, we're not talking bigs. I think that. Xavier is the best team in the Big East. I don't know if that will come to fruition because of the games they dropped. Giving that edge to Villanova will certainly cost them. But I think that come March, that's the team I like. Does it scare you that they've had... I don't know. Does it scare you that they've had seven different guys lead the team in scoring in a different night, or is that like an encouraging thing? I think they're figuring out how to play with Fremantle back. It's weird. I think they're... Learning to play with Fremantle back. I think they've got a lot of guys that can just make a bunch of threes and pop off on a given night. Their best two players are uh, Nunji. I don't know. Nunji drifts in and out and is a little matchup dependent. But what they've got in Fremantle and Nunji is a really good front court. I think that they can play through those guys most nights. That's why it's not too concerning to me, although their perimeter scoring has been all over the place. I can't believe they won a game against Virginia Tech. Like, this is a while ago. They won a game against Virginia Tech. Yeah. They scored 59, and 30 of them came from one guy. <laughs> well, okay, that's a little bit unfair because they had, like, three starters out with the flu. Yeah, but, like, 30 of 59 from one dude yeah. is absurd. And he did it efficiently. It wasn't like he oh, was they just, were threes. It wasn't like he was just chucking them up. Yeah. You're talking about Johnson? Yeah, right? Johnson. Yeah. Um. I don't necessarily think that it's a it's 
a, like if if your take you're holding Villanova or you're holding Xavier stock because you've held Xavier stock already, and I think that's what we're both doing. Um, if your take is that Xavier is going to go further in the NCAA tournament than Villanova, I don't necessarily know if I would disagree with that because I think both of them are Sweet 16 teams, maybe maybe Elite Eight teams depending on matchups, but. I don't think that the Big East, like I think the Big East is very competitive. I don't think the Big East is competitive with like Elite Eight National Championship Final Four teams. The, the question really is going to be that of whether or not Zach Fremantle can continue to start to look more like what he did as a sophomore, got hurt, but he scored 16 points per game in 21 games played. This year has been working back from injury, has only played nine games has started to take a bigger and bigger role over time, but his minute share has decreased by 10 minutes. If he can get back up to what he was, or even like 75% of it, because right now he's only scoring eight points per game, I like this team to go to uh, potentially an Elite Eight, maybe even further. I really like this Xavier team. Okay. I can live with that take. Um, because I'm not like married to Villanova being elite I just think that they're going to be they're better than they are at the moment um, perception wise my second hold team is going to be Alabama oh um, okay you might be maybe you're, rumble that reaction makes me think you might be selling your Bama stock um, I am holding Alabama stock because and this might be because this is the rare case in which I think sometimes you're led astray by catching teams at the right time or the wrong time. And so just to, like, I turned on the Alabama-Auburn game the other night after I'd gotten home, and it was 73-59 to Auburn. And immediately Alabama went on a 14-0 run, and I was like, this is like this is the Final Four team. Like, this is the Alabama team that can do what I expect them to do preseason-wise. This is the Alabama team that could win the SEC. And then they do a bunch of stupid stuff with <laughs> the ball. Javon Quinterly gets scared of Jawari Smith and like I don't necessarily blame him, but he doesn't shoot the three, goes in there, throws up a wild shot. Alabama loses. The Auburn team makes fun of the Alabama football team. They start doing the I don't know what karate is it? kid, the karate kid, um, Cobra Kai, whatever you want to say from it. And the bitter taste comes in your mouth. But you're also like, even with the way things have gone with Bama, there is. A, the fact that they lost to Missouri is not great. The fact that they kind of choked away the Auburn game, given how much momentum they had at the end of it, isn't great. But there's so much better. Like there, I'm already so deep in the Alabama stock that I'm just gonna continue to hold because I think it can't. Get, I don't think it can get worse. Like I think they're gonna oh, be. They're gonna be. They lost to Missouri. It would be hard. Yeah, it it can't be worse than that. I think that it's at a near low point. They almost certainly will be unranked after this week. And I still think they're a top 20 team. I still think that they're a team that can beat anyone in the country. And the Gonzaga game would certainly indicate that. And I think that they very well could beat Baylor on January 29th when they get Baylor at home. Did you pick them over Mississippi State on the road? Did I? Uh, Yeah, I did. Okay. And you didn't. I know I didn't. Mississippi State to the Final Four. I'm holding that stock. Again, Torvik still thinks Mississippi State was, is what I thought they were coming into the year, despite their record not necessarily agreeing. Uh, 
So I, I've got thoughts on Alabama. Those will come a little bit later. But I'm just going to remind you that this team not only lost to Missouri, they've lost to Iona. Iona. I know. They've lost to, I just gassed up Davidson, but Davidson? Like, these are not good losses. Although they have shown the ability to also beat anybody in what they did in Seattle against Washington. I, That's a true road, or a true it, road game against It was basically Gonzaga. a true road game in a bigger arena than they would have been at the Kennel. Although probably not as loud because... That thing was roaring. No, that thing was loud as hell. I'm holding Bama stock. J.D. Okay. Davison's weird. Like, J.D. Davison, no Might starts, be, doesn't yeah. start... Doesn't shoot the three well on a team that like is almost reliant upon you're gonna shoot the three like you're you're shooting threes or you're or you're dunking the ball. You want, you want a real like could be game ch- changer for this team and Charles Bediaco is a good player. Start J D Davidson at center. No, well, you, I mean he's a no. You start start uh just start five guards like five guards or five wings. That's what I'm saying. Play Davidson. At center, go a billion miles per hour, let him drive and kick. That might be better. That might be better. They just... This team really misses Herb Jones. Yeah, like the the defense is not. And that's what made them special this past year, and that's why I might be out on them this year. Yeah, I don't think that they replaced everything nearly. Because, guess what? What we said about Alabama last year... What made them special is that, yes, they did all this stuff with tempo, playing a billion miles per hour, shooting a ton of threes, living and dying from behind the arc. But the difference was they didn't die from behind the arc because we knew we could trust their defense. Mm-hmm. This year they're going to be extremely variable. They're going to be all over the place. That's been proven. Yeah. So unless the defense improves, I think you're pretty silly, pretty foolish to hold on to Alabama stock. We'll see. I might sell it when I see the bracket. And, and see a certain Based level. on what you define them as, what the price you bought it at, they're not going to live up to that. They're just not. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Well, we'll see. Okay. I'm holding it. Hold the line. All okay. right. Part of this is because I don't really believe in like every SEC team. That's fair. Like I'm down on Tennessee rel- relatively. Are you out on LSU? Just wait and see. Okay. <laughs> Rumble. Uh, holding. Maybe this doesn't fit the designation. Maybe I should have been buying on this team. I don't know. But I am holding the line on Oregon. Huge win for him, obviously. It's really easy to get in. I didn't know you were an Oregon stockholder. Uh, Just a little bit. Okay. A part of the portfolio. Okay. But I think it would be really easy to have sold all of it early, which I kind of did. Not gonna lie. Yeah, you te- you send multiple texts of Oregon doesn't know how to play basketball. At this they don't know how to score. They don't know how to score. But then I started to really, I really, yeah, I really started to look at it. And here, here are a couple things of import here that determine this. So, Oregon this year seven and zero when Will Richardson and Jacob Young are the leading scorers. One of those two guys leads the team in scoring. They're seven and zero. They're three and six when they don't. And here's what's even more alarming. The points per game split is 21. They average 57 points per game when one of those guys does not lead the team in scoring. 78.5 when they do. That's insane. And Will Richardson is starting to play like himself again. Had a bad year last year. But 
coming into this year, was expected to be a guy who could be in the running for conference player of the year. Hadn't been that guy, starting to be that guy, though. Moreover, this is kind of insane as well. Dana Altman, in the past three seasons, where he has gone to this more transfer latent model, 43 and 18 from the turn of the year on. It's not uncustomary for his team not to start that well, but he's insane after. after exactly. And they're 3 0 this season. In, since January 1st, yeah. yeah. I picked him to beat, beat USC tomorrow on our game picks, so you, and you picked I USC. Did. So I did. certainly would believe that uh, that Oregon's going to figure things out. Um, they don't have a bad loss other than ASU. Like BYU, St. Mary's. The, the nature of some of their losses have been pretty bad. Yes. Losing to Houston in a non-competitive 29-point loss is bad. Losing to BYU by 32 is bad. They were not a good team when Eric Williams was leading them in scoring. Like I completely that agree weird with stretch where that happened for like seven they three weeks. Also, I would argue that the turnaround started when they played Baylor because they played yeah. Baylor very competitively, and that was an eight point loss yeah. that felt like a win because they were leading with ten minutes left in the second half. So I'm in on Oregon. I'm in on Oregon bouncing back and becoming one of the teams that could maybe make the NCAA tournament. They could maybe win the Pac-12. I think they're going to have a greater challenge to win the Pac-12 than they did in 2019, uh, back when we were freshmen and we were bored up in those games hmm. in the Blaze Studio. And they won what was a pretty bad Pac-12. But because UCLA and Arizona are what they are, like the draw is going to be pretty important for them. And I would argue that they need to avoid having to beat two of those teams in the in the Pac-12 tournament if they're going to win the win the Pac-12 tournament. Um, we need so to bring those board offs back. Draw might be yeah. We should bring those board. I mean that's a you call. You're Mister. It's not just me. It's not just a me call. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan of you holding Oregon stock. I thought about buying it because I haven't necessarily had huge Oregon positions other than <laughs> when I when I voted them to finish second in the league this year. Let's short Oregon together. Let's short Oregon. No shorting them would be. No, okay, I don't know what the words are. Let's long Oregon. Yeah. You just said hold, and now you want to say, you want to buy more Oregon stock, I guess. Well, I can only say buy for two teams. Okay. Should I go to my sells? Yeah. All right, so I'm going to sell the team that I just said is going to lose. Shorting. I'm selling it, because I've I've said that they were better (laughs) better than... uh, I've said that they were better than... Most people thought for most of the year, but now that they have been a top five team in the country, uh, they lost to Stanford this week. They almost lost to Oregon State. I said that they're going to lose tomorrow to USC or to Oregon. I'm selling my USC stock. Not a great offensive team. Not a great free throw shooting team. Uh, I'm proud of you for mentioning shot quality. Uh, they are not anything elite in that regard. Um, they are. Let me find it impressively bad 53rd in adjusted shot quality they're pretty average both in terms of the shots that they get and the shots that they give up relative to good teams like they're mm-hmm. in the, they're in the 50s of both which of course is in the top sixth of NCAA division one teams but relative to really good NCAA teams when you look up and down the top 10 and you see the Arizonas the Gonzagas 
Baylor, Purdue, all those types mm-hmm. of teams, and then you scroll down to the 50s and you see USC, it's easy to see why if they're not taking great shots all the time and if they're not not giving up great shots. Um, feels like the Knicks last year. It Yeah. It feels like when teams really start to focus, and guess what? People start to focus when you have a shiny number next to you and you become mm-hmm. the one being hunted. Uh, it's a lot easier for me to see success being harder to come by. And you add in the fact that their best win so far is San Diego State, and I'm just not that impressed. San Diego State is good, though. Bradley is But if all. that's your best win, yeah, sure. I'm not that impressed. Yeah. I hear it. Uh, USC or Texas? Texas. Not even a doubt. Wow. I well, can't say I agree. Not You're even. so out on Texas. They're beating Iowa State tomorrow. No. They're beating Iowa State tomorrow. Not in Hilton. All right, your first sell. This one hurts. Can you guess? Teams you've been high on this year, I would think you're going to be down. UCLA? No. Oh. That's a weird guess. I really was never that high on UCLA, so that's, that's um, strange. Are you selling Auburn? No. Why? Why? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that, I don't think, think I've really Auburn, said anything you, okay, about Auburn. Okay. Uh, I don't know. This should be really Indiana. easy for you. Indiana. It's Indiana. Okay. This hurts. It hurts a lot. They just turn the ball over too much. If they played every game at Assembly Hall, they'd be really good. That is probably true. <laughs> but the Wisconsin game is indicative of something that's really scaring. The lights can just go out on this team. They can have games where the defense... This is a really good defense. Mike Woodson has done a good job cultivating a defense. You know, it wasn't a bad foundation. He was left in that regard. But around Trace Jackson Davis, they get stops. They get out and run. The problem is that when they are forced to win in a half-court setting, which is more likely to have happen on the road because you're not being spurred on, giving that little extra boost of energy by home crowd to fly around and be frenetic... They turn the ball over one in every five possessions. Like, the guard play just isn't good enough. Guys don't hit open shots, and too much is asked of TJD to just carry this team a lot of the time. They're going to make the tournament, I think, but I thought Indiana had the potential to be a top-10 team after they beat St. John's, and there is no way they are going to be that at any point this year. Yeah, like, they'd have to string off an insane run of wins. I think they're better still than most people think they are. But the I fact do too. Is, but the fact is, the way that they lose is so jarring. It melts your brain. Like, I can make a pretty solid argument that they should not have lost any of the games that they've played. Yeah. Like, yes. Wisconsin, they led handily. Penn Syracuse. State, Penn State is just not good. And then they turn the ball over 25 times or 23 times. Like, an absurd yeah. amount of both uh, against both Syracuse and then last night against Iowa. And I don't know. So I think they're better than most people think they are. But, yeah, if, like, I picked them to go to the Final Four because I was doing the the Washington thing. And if you're judging through that lens, you're certainly, certainly selling stock. Like, I still think they're an NCAA tournament team. I, I think it, it goes without saying that their defense is better than people think. They're a top 10 efficiency defense. And, like, Mike Woodson has done a decent job. I think that the problem is just that he has old guards who haven't mm-hmm. developed. Like, Rob Finnessy still plays like a freshman. 
Xavier Johnson commits a lot of dumb fouls and gets himself into foul trouble way too much for being a guard. Like, there should be no reason that you are consistently ending up on the bench for foul trouble as a fourth-year NCAA guard. <laughs> like, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Like, don't foul. You're playing the guard position. You're not in a position where you should be fouling. Wait for TJD to slide over and help you. Don't slap somebody's arm as they blow by you. Don't grab cutters with six seconds on the shot clock. Yeah. When guys are outside. I don't know. It's frustrating. Um, I don't blame you for selling Indiana stock. I don't want to, but I feel like I just need to cut my losses at (laughs) this point in time. Just stop watching. Get something back. Uh, what's their schedule upcoming in upcoming games? I don't know if it matters because they lose to teams that are bad. No, because like what's going to happen is they're going to get somebody at home, and you're going to buy. Back they just did. Home. They just beat Ohio State no, at I home. I know, but like they're going to get they're going to get like Purdue at home, and you're going to be like, holy. They don't they beat get Purdue. Purdue. They don't beat Purdue. They get Purdue on Thursday. Indiana's like lost their last eight to Purdue or something like that. They get Purdue on Thursday. Yeah, they don't beat Purdue. Uh, I mean, get right game Monday night against Nebraska at Nebraska. Um, Pinnacle Bank Arena, and then Purdue, Michigan. the vaunted Pinnacle Bank Arena. You but think like, this team can go on the road and win there against Fred Hoiberg and Alonzo Verge? Yeah, they can the team that had Isaiah Roby. They can win that game. Uh, Gabrielle Union, Keyshawn Johnson, Tom Osborne. No way. If I made you pick right now, what seed do you think this Indiana team will be in? First four. First four. Okay, that's... Relative to those expectations, I'm buying. They'll be bad. They'll be safe Are you sure? The field. Yeah, Are you sure? I'm sure. I think they'll I'll have the Arizona... Let's do it. Talk. No, that's a dumb bet. <laughs> I, I instantly <laughs> no, 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 regret it. No, no, no. Only four teams no, go to the first no, four. No no, 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 no. We're not betting they, they automatically go to the first four. My bet... Or I guess eight teams. My bet is that my bet is that Indiana is safely in the field selection Sunday. Your bet is that they're first four or out. Yeah. I, I guess I have to. I already said I'll make the bet. All right, that's the deal. It's it, Just to knock some cobwebs off my brain, it's only four at-large bids that make the first four, right? Then the others are 16 the seeds? The teams are 16 seeds. This is not going to happen. They're going to make the tournament safely. Safely might be – they'll be on the bubble. But they'll probably be like a 10 that is in the field and doesn't have to earn it in Dayton. All right, we'll see. My other sell is LSU. And this is a long-term play, not a short-term play. Because if I can pull up their schedule in upcoming days, they are are going to, and this is me admitting up front, they are going to win multiple games in the next couple weeks because their schedule is not very hard. Um... After they get go on the road to Bama and Tennessee, I think this is where they're going to be able to kind of string some together. They get AM, they get TCU in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, Old Miss, Vandy, AM again. Those are games that they're going to win. So, Ghana is maybe strong. They Ole should, Miss could beat them, Vanderbilt should. could beat them. My point is, there's a lot of games where I can see them winning while not really teaching us much about them. Yeah. But. They are a bad offensive team. Shot quality, not very high on them. They take the 77th best shots, and their adjusted shot quality is 29th. So they're not taking great shots. But that's always – that's Will Wade. No, because they usually are a great offensive team. Like last year they were a, 
In terms of, maybe it's just because they take more threes, generally. No, it's because they're not good at scoring the ball. Like, last year they were the fifth best offense in the country, efficiency-wise. This year, they're 77th. Like, they are just not very... It feels like, uh, I guess the point I'm making is it feels like LSU seems to have, like, black hole-ish players at times, and they've still got those dudes. So that's why I guess I'm a little bit... uh, Darius Days is just getting shots up, right? But... Their guards are not good. Like, Xavier Pinson is decent, but he just had an MCL sprain. So I don't know how long he'll be out. But after him, I, I don't yeah. like their guard play. They are as I really team. thought Eric Gaines was going to be a lot better than what he's been. And Will Wade certainly thought he was getting something out of Adam Miller, and he tore his ACL. So that just that's sucks. True. Golly, like, can you imagine what this team would have been without no, Adam Miller? That's my point. Is like I would be higher on them if, if they had a guy like him because he would almost certainly – pull up their three-point percentage numbers, which currently sit at 32.3%. Like, that's not good at all. Um, This is a long-term play because I think that LSU, based on what they've done so far, Mm -hmm. is going to probably be... Their resume is not, like, crazy impressive. I know they beat Kentucky and Tennessee. They won against Florida, and if you want to talk about games that teams should have or should not have won, like... Xavier should have beat Villanova based on shot quality, I think, like 70% of the time. 75. Uh, LSU, and that was the lower of the two numbers. Yeah. I couldn't find and the higher one because you have to pay $1,200 to get yeah. access to it. LSU should have beat Florida. Or Florida should have beat LSU um, on Wednesday night. And it really wasn't all that particularly close. So as a 32% three-point shooting team that plays good defense, they are going to be able to – swallow up some of the bad teams in the SEC and just not allow them to score. But when they play teams of equal competition level, mm-hmm. equal skill level or greater, I don't think that they are like Will Wade does not have a super super long track record of playing elite elite defense in the same way that Tennessee does or Texas Tech does where it's like this is a program that just consistently plays great defense. This is an LSU team that is playing great defense this year. Personnel-wise, that makes sense, but they're huge. But also, like they played Auburn and they were outmatched and they lost by fifteen, and they they had one point in the first nine minutes of that game. So it's like they're. I would bet that their NCAA tournament loss is going to be a really ugly loss. That's possible. Um, I guess my question to you is: this team right now is still playing a ton of dudes. Uh, and when your leading scorer is Tari Eason, he's getting 15 a game, but he's only playing 21 minutes a game, and it's not because of foul trouble because he's averaging fewer than two fouls a game. Nobody plays 30 minutes per game. Honestly. Like, is that something that could elevate this team if they start to just refine their lineup a little bit? You would think from an offensive rhythm standpoint, probably. I just don't know if – like, I think that this team is kind of built on – squeezing the juice out of you playing hard defense because everybody's fresh and that's what they do which that's just how it kind of goes so I don't know I don't enjoy watching this team play that's that's, fair. that's also part of it part that's of why fair. I'm selling the stock I mean they played a really difficult beginning of conference play against Florida Tennessee Kentucky and Auburn they are three and one in those games that should be noted but also the big two wins against Tennessee and Kentucky were at home and I think Pete Maravich Center does have an under-rated uh, yes. home court advantage to it. Certainly. Uh, so, all right, I'm going to stay in the SEC West, even though there is no <laughs> geographical divisions in basketball in the SEC. I'm going to take Bama and sell them. 
Okay. Get them out of my face. All right. Uh, it's fine. I just, this is one of those, you know, investing is about risk evaluation. And it's just too all over the place. It's too erratic. I don't know. And I, I kind of made my argument earlier when you talked about Alabama. But the main thing is the offensive style is going to be awesome. The All the efficiency numbers and higher level metrics are going to tell you that what Alabama's doing is the right thing to do. And I don't necessarily know if they're fully wrong. But I do think in this case, if you don't have the defense to bolster it, it's going to make for Alabama having a really bumpy ride on a team that should be better than what they are right now. There is no team in the country that has a wider disparity between their biggest win, their best win, and their worst loss. Iona versus Gonzaga. Uh, no, I think Missouri's a worse loss than Iona. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, Iona was 6-0 and at that point and is now 12-3. and Probably is going to be in the tournament. Missouri is an abomination. I'm trying to see if, like, objectively... Like, Missouri truly might be the worst power conference team. Oregon State's way worse. Uh, that might be fair. Missouri... did, But did, truly, did yeah, Oregon State, did Oregon okay. State score, I like, 20-some-odd points against... Or 30-some-odd points against Liberty? Missouri is the 173rd-ranked team in Ken Palm. Iona is 92nd. So yes, objectively, <laughs> objectively, you have me on that that ledge. Missouri is their worst loss. Yes, there is no Kansas wider is their gas best win. They beat, the, they beat what is the number two team in Ken Palm and lost. One. Number one team in Ken Palm and lost to 173. <laughs> yeah, that variance is not great. Um, if you're talking about liking consistency, like you could lose all your money. You, you could could be a real Black Friday situation. Or Black Monday situation. Those are two different things. <laughs> Black Friday, you're buying, buying. Um, yeah, they're they're the best five loss team in America, though. As I'm looking through uh, standings, like objectively. But are those five losses? Is any team in the country with five losses have a worse five losses than them? No. Auburn's a resume building loss. I will say that. Shut up. <laughs> um. It's not the worst. They should have won. They should have won that game. But they were also down 14 late in the second half. Like, yeah. it, was, it was it was, ugly. Let's get to the endpoint rankings, or do you want to do game one games first? It's just occurring to me that they beat the number three team, at least in Torvik. What's Houston and Kempom as well? Three. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, the resumes. Like, if they string off a bunch of wins in SEC play, like, the, the committee is going to have to put them at, like, a three or a four seed. No. Yeah. Maybe. Or, Maybe. or they're going to end up as a five or six that's completely undervalued, largely like USC was it's last super year. super scary. And then I'm going to walk in and be like, Alabama, vastly underseeded Elite Eight team. Yeah. The thing with me that frustrates me the most is that they're, it's, it's not like they've got an Achilles heel. Like, you know, they lost to a team with a great big because they had a great big in Jabari Smith. They also te- beat a team with a great big because they had a great big because they were able to get Chet Holmgren on the perimeter. Like, it... it, it Here's any the, team could beat them, the and they could beat any team. Here's the thing. Nate Oates has a type. Like, he recruits yeah. a lot of guys who are similar body type-wise and play style-wise. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if with the way that they took shots and the consistency with which they were devoted to shooting threes, if they actually one time in their life got someone who was, like, a legitimate 45% three-point shooter? Like, they take all these threes, and no one shoots better. John Petty 
was. John Teddy was, but he was yeah. not a spot-up shooter. He was a right. off-the-dribble guy. And they take all these threes. No one on their team shoots 40% from three. Like, they need Jay, Nate Johnson. They need Corey Kispert. Like, they need yeah. one of those guys at some point in, in, in Nate Oates' time. But, like, it's working out for him. And... It's hard to recreate Herb Jones from a defensive standpoint. I just want the JD Davidson dunk was insane. I just want more JD Davidson. Like I just want that. Please give me. But more. you're selling Bama stock, so you're out now. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm, I am. And I'm holding. Um, and Poyer rankings are game on Gabe's. Let's go game on Gabe's. All right, game on Gabe's. Uh, I went through and did the research on everyone updates since our pod in which we introduced game on Gabe's, which was December 10th. So I went by the numbers of. Since that's happened, um, Gabe Kalsher stock has gone down. <laughs> Gabe Osaboyan had his first double-digit scoring game of the year. I'd say that's a highlight. I would say Gabe Madsen at Utah, 12, 12 points and a loss to Washington. That's a highlight. Uh, Gabe McLaughlin has upped his points per game rating since GCU uh, has continued playing. They also, after we recorded that episode beat San Francisco, gave them their first loss of the year. Good for him. But I think my favorite Gabe moment, also to shout out Gabe Watson, who has scored in double figures every single game since we've released the original Gabe on Gabe's ranking. My favorite Gabe moment was Tuesday night when I heard um, Iowa State fans, or I, not a, not Iowa State fans, the broadcasters on ESPN Plus, Big 12 Now, I don't necessarily know who was calling the game, they called Gabe Kalsher a shooter. He is shooting 24.7% yeah, from in three in theory, it's a nice idea, but he's, no, he's like, not doing the thing this it's, year. It's almost like, not to compare directly to me, but when I show up <laughs> at the rec every once in a while and we're playing basketball and people are like, he's a shooter. And then sometimes you just have those days where you miss everything. Well, Gabe Kalsher's having that year where he misses everything. And he had a wide open three to win the game against Kansas. Uh, I guess you can't say, say wide open. Ochai contested it. Clanked it, so he's continued his struggles. Yeah. So that was a great moment. But, notable, notable. I ask you not one of your sellers. They've earned your respect. They have earned That's my respect. That's a win for Peyton. Yeah, they're a top... They're somewhere between the 20th and 30th best team in the country. Okay. They are. Yeah. They are. Probably. I think they're probably I, 15 to 25 is the range I put them in. But I'll say, if you want me to give you a greater variance, they're somewhere between 15 I think they're just as good as Texas Tech. I completely disagree. <laughs> okay. um, that's a bridge too far. Uh, Gabe of the week goes to Gabe Brown. Well, I guess Gabe of the month because we haven't done this since December 10th. Yeah. Gabe of the month goes to Gabe Brown. Double figures in every game since the original segment. 14.5 points per game. Um, I believe he had 20 plus in a win over high point last week, two weeks ago. Um there's a level of consistency from a guy who entered the year averaging six points per game for his career. Um, he's not necessarily a scorer, but he's really developed. And he's a steadying force on a Michigan State mm-hmm. team that both of us, I think, really like. So, also, shout out Gabe Brown. Gabe Burkich. Declared for the NFL draft yes. a year early. Huge win. Huge win Gabe for Gabe Burkich. Um and shout out Gabe Dorsey, who got two starts during our long break for Vanderbilt. Yeah. Still not a very good player. No, not averaging a point per game yet. No, but he got two starts. I think they were against. I think they were against Hawaii and would have been probably BYU if it were the next game. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, and they beat BYU. 
Good for him. Anchor down. Shout uh, out South Brown. Carolina lost. Like, uh, we're not going to do scholarships and sanctions yet, but sanction to – I don't think it was on Scottie Pippen Jr., but the whole last possession against South Carolina, you see this. No. The clock, clock winding down, he gets on a drive down the right side of the lane all the way to the basket, but there's no angle for a shot. And instead of getting a shot up, he just, like, chucks the ball back out towards the three-point line as the buzzer sounds. Nice. It was really bad. Nice. Might legitimately, that one possession might cost Scottie Pippen Jr. SEC Player of the Year. In earnest. I think Oscar Sheepway is just complete dominance. Probably oh, he dominated Vanderbilt the other day. Um, all right. Time for the Empoy rankings. Okay. And looking over at your notes, it looks like you've produced a counter list of some kind. No, I just have the Torvik top okay. five, just, in, just as a reference, and I'll just pull it up. Uh, no, the only reason you have that list on there is so that you can have a thing with Keegan Murray, number one. Keegan Murray's insane. Uh, his no. brother, Chris, is the reason why Iowa beat Indiana last night, though. Mm. Well, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten for this one. Interesting, on ESPN's top 25 players list, eight guys from the Big Ten. That's pretty remarkable. According to Ken Palm, or Torvik, they have one, two, three, four, six of the top ten. I know Edie and Travion Williams 12. are there. But the guy yeah. that I've got number one on my list, I believe, is ten on Torvik's list, and that is Johnny Davis, who has had more to do with his team being where they are than really anybody else in the country, at least on the elite level. And I don't think that that is particularly close. Okay. Stat line is 21.7 points per game, 2.6 assists, 7.5 re- uh, rebounds on 43 and 32 shooting. He's a mid-range assassin. Shot quality hates him, but it just feels like... Disagree. Shot quality does not hate him because he's really good at making... It's yeah. like Durant. Fair enough. If you're really good at making mid-range shots and you take a mid-range shot, it's a good shot for you. Yeah. It's a good shot for Johnny Davis. Yeah. The weird thing, and this is... This is something that will come up when he inevitably declares to the NBA draft later this year. Is he does not separate well? Like no, not at all. He hits contested shots. Yeah, dude. which is scary for the NBA level because bigger athletes, yeah. not Big Ten guys. But he's inc- like he's fun it's to watch. Unbelievable. He's fun to watch. And I didn't buy their stock, but I would like if I had to buy a third team stock, Wisconsin. Like they're better than I. Yeah, they're way Any better of than us I could imagine. Anybody? Yeah, everybody yeah. had them missing the tournament. Yeah, in preseason. Um, listen, man, Johnny Davis is the kind of player that you would think has forty, and you look down, and he's got twenty-eight, because all the shots are so daggum difficult. Mm-hmm. I found myself literally doing that um, in the game against Iowa. The question for me, this is for someone to research, is Kevin. Hope you're listening. Maybe um, is. Because he did not start a game last year. He played in 31 games, did not start a single game. If he wins the National Player of the Year, is he the first person to not start a game before the year in which he wins National Player of the Year? That's not a freshman. I feel like it has to have happened at some point. I feel like it it definitely has not happened before. You don't see guys go from... DM Jared Burson. Bench guy. (laughs) I I might have to do that. I just don't think you really see guys go from bench guy to like... Elite, elite starter that quickly. I don't know. Your number number two, two, you'll like Ochaik Baji. Just holding steady. I like that you're not going reverse order. Like you're just going. Mm-hmm. Top to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. People care about 
I mean, if you've listened to this part of the pod, you're not vacating the premise yeah. because we're we're going pushing like at least an hour and a half at this point. Yeah. Um, the sun has gone down. Ochai Baji, twenty point six, one point four assists, four point six rebounds, insane shooting numbers, fifty three point three from the field, forty seven point five from the three point line, a little bit less so, more to be desired from such a good shooter from the free throw line. At 77%, I believe. Made two big ones on Tuesday night. Um, but, like, he is unbelievable right now. And defensively, what he adds, I don't know, Knight, because Johnny Davis is a great player. He's not the defender that Ochai is. I don't know if any player in the country really contributes to, like, total point margin of their team. I wish there was a way we could keep track of how many points you took away from your opponent. It'd be a great stat if somebody could figure out how to do that somehow, uh, which is literally impossible. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if anybody's like net value is worth as many points per game as Ochaik Baji. I just like that he's been supremely consistent. Yeah, it's been like he had one eleven point game, and I think he's been above fifteen every other game. Yeah, I just wish, and I just wish that sometimes he would realize like the one thing. That there is still to see from him this year is is him realizing nights where it's like, yo, this is this is the night you gotta you gotta go get it. Yeah, sure. Other guys on your team are not doing it, and yep. that's what I think that's what happened in the Texas Tech game on Saturday. Is like he was having an incredible game, and he just was too slow to realize that like other guys weren't doing their jobs, and it was just gonna be a it just needed to be like a I go get thirty points game. Mm-hmm. And he can he can do that. Good Almost number two. Knocked my phone off. The Good table. number two. My reflexes have just been insane lately. I don't know if I get got bit by like <laughs> a spider or something like that. But, um, number three. These guys are pretty much the same. Couple guys who have not made a three this year, and I, I bet you can guess who. Uh, Sheboy and Kobe. Yeah. Three yeah. and four. Which I've order? got Sheboy first though. The Mainly insane. Mainly coming off the fact that he's put together these two ridiculous games, especially for him scoring-wise, where he's at the season total of 17 points, 9 assists, but 15.1 rebounds. Like That's unheard of at this level. It it truly is shooting 62% from the field, uh, but coming off games in which he had 29 and 17 and then 30 and 13. And a couple wins against Georgia and Vandy. That's the reason he just noses out in front. Uh, the what have you done for me lately against Kofi. But Kofi's numbers, 22, 1.1 assists, and then 12.5 boards. 64.6% shooting for him. Uh, it, they're pretty much identical resumes to me. The, Illinois might be a little bit better as a team. Just a little bit, but that's even close too. Yeah. The knock on Oscar, I think is that if you point to the losses for Kentucky, Notre yep. Dame, and LSU, in those games, he has either not scored well or not rebounded well. Yep. Relative to his standards, the positive for him is he's got four games of 20-plus rebounds, so he's insane. Yep. And you know what? You know my thoughts on Kofi. Like I yep. love Kofi. Free Kofi. Still. Forever and always. He's been freed, but... It, the point stands. Uh, okay. Guys, that this is not this fifth dude, Isaiah Brockington. 
David Roby. No, Roddy. I crossed Isaiah Roby and David. I don't. Yeah. It happens once. We've been better, but yeah. Uh, Jabari Smith, Trace Jackson Davis, all in consideration. Matherin, you could maybe argue should be ahead of this guy. I just didn't think of Matherin. So, he's not. Number five, Alondis Williams, Wake Forest. What? Okay, I mean... You, the numbers. 20.7 points per game. Five assists per game. 6.7 boards on 54% from the floor. 31% from three. He is carrying Wake Forest night in, night out. And they are a team that could make the tournament. It's entirely because of him. And another example of a guy that... Just like Tari Eason's like this. Tari Eason was a no-name at Cincinnati and is now the face, the best player of a team that's in the top 15. Alanis Williams was just like another dude somewhere in America last year, and now he's one of the best players in the ACC and is probably, in my opinion, the front runner to win ACC Player of the Year over Bancaro. From, I mean, he was not this guy at Oklahoma. Like, no, I, like, I didn't even realize he played at Oklahoma. He's playing... Twice as many minutes as he did two years ago. Like, who would have thought that Alondis Williams was the impact transfer from OU last year and not Davion Harmon? Yeah, that's... Jeez, and Brady Manning. Not even the impact yeah. transfer in the ACC. <laughs> like, Brady Manning has, has been good. He hasn't been as good yeah. as... Like, this Alondis has hit game-winning shots this year. Absurd, absurd. Uh, he's kind of doing it on crazy volume. Like, he's a 33%... But he's efficient. He's efficient on twos, which is impressive. His total shot quotient, he's efficient. He's over 50% from the floor. Yeah. What's his true shooting? What's his free throw percentage? His I didn't even look at that. effective field goal percentage is 59%. That's good for a guard. And his I mean, his player efficiency rating is 28, and his career player efficiency rating is... I don't think we should be looking at any career stats with him. No, because it's like... I mean, to be fair, though, like his strength of schedule metric... Yeah, that's true. Uh, Wake Forest hasn't. But he balled played. against Duke. Yeah, but Wake Forest hasn't played the greatest schedule. And uh, at Oklahoma, he did play a very solid schedule all the time, and it didn't always necessarily bode well for him. I'm just... That feels like, like a pretty weak argument. Johnny, No, I'm just, I'm just amazed at guys like Johnny Davis, Benedict Matherin, and then Alondis Williams, where it's like well, hold on. they're making jumps that we couldn't have expected. Arizona fans were like, where is Matherin on your preseason All-American teams? But that was kind of unfounded. Like, yeah, that he was wasn't, wild. He wasn't this... It's... He wasn't this guy last year. No. I picked him to be third in Pac-12 Player of the Year race preseason on and my ballot. And that was aggressive. And that was aggressive. Like, I was... I was overshooting him. And, yeah. and just because it's true now doesn't mean it was wrong at the time. That's no. my, my Ben Matherin take. Just like it would be my take on Johnny Davis. Like, just because Johnny Davis is what he is now does not mean that what we were saying about him in November was necessarily wrong because we had no evidence to believe that this was something that could continue to happen frequently. Shout out to Alonis Williams. Just another guy that is like, where the hell did this come from? Scholarships and sanctions. All right, my scholarship number one goes to the slip of the tongue that gave us Bill Walton's Tinder portal. I tweeted this at Dom Stern. Dom admitted that he was 
he found it very funny. I my brain immediately as it, as I was watching a UCLA game went to Mick Cronin using his super like on Johnny Juzang and that turning into a Final Four run, um, and just the I I hope I, I have genuinely no idea how the transfer portal works, but the idea that it would be coaches on an app swiping left and right on guys sounds very funny. We didn't do scholarships and sanctions for the national title show. I'm going to give yeah, a sanction. Yeah. But we didn't know about this. Well, I'm not going to do this. This is yours. Okay. You can do the Stetson Bennett thing that I'm not going to do. Stetson Bennett thing that I'm going to do is a sanction to everybody who very clearly just didn't really watch him play last year and looked at him and said he can't be the quarterback of a national championship winning team. I want to say I stood pat the entire season. I was This guy can make plays. He does make plays. He is their best quarterback right now. And I was right. So... Sanction everybody who doubted him for just being too small. Yeah, win win for you. Um, I'm trying to see if there's a reason for this. Um, I guess not. I guess he just wanted to because it was on this campus of the University of Georgia. Uh, scholarship to raising canes <laughs> for taking advantage of an opportunity and allowing Stetson Bennett to work a day for them. I don't know if he has an NIL deal, but I would assume that this – might be in connection to it. Um, I know that the founder of Raising Canes has been on the Rosillo podcast a bunch and has talked about his love for collegiate athletics. Walk on specifically. Yeah. Um, But this is incredible. It's also funny, and I can't believe that uh, I I, I first saw it because it showed up on my TikTok page. So that was funny. Um, Good for Stetson Bennett. Just the wholehearted, wholesome guy. Seems like he had a very enjoyable Monday night. Maybe not necessarily the most fun on Tuesday morning on Good Morning America, but live <laughs> it up. We shouldn't be asking college kids to get on Good Morning America after winning a national championship. Eight hours Maybe after not. winning a national championship. Um, that's probably a bad idea. Sanction to COVID for being a little baby back bitch. <laughs> what says this about it? Just disrupting stuff. Don't oh, like it. I was going to say scholarship to graphs because I saw Ken Palm tweeted a graph. That's true. Of the amount of postponed games. And it was a straight line up in December till New Year's, and then it's a straight line down pretty much now. So good for him. Uh, sanction for me goes to Jim Phillips and Common Sense because the ACC said that they didn't want to expand the college football playoff after a year in which they missed the college football playoff. <laughs> um, and after a year in which it was kind of proven that if uh, – Florida State doesn't figure things out, which does. There's no evidence to believe that they will figure things out. And if Clemson isn't elite, they weren't elite this year. You're gonna have problems in that league. And yet, all of the presidents. Well, we'll see if Miami does anything. Yeah, Mario Cristobal could change things, but given the Chuck the, Moore effect, <laughs> the Chuck Moore effect, it truly revolutionizes the athletic department <laughs> anywhere he goes. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to think that the ACC is anti-expansion. Okay. Or just the reasoning for it of being like there's more important things to focus on right now. It's like Jim Phillips basically said, I can't chew gum and walk at the same time. Like there's one – I'm going to do one or the other. I'm chewing gum, so I'm stopping walking. That's what he was saying. Okay. Well, we're going to stop the show. Oh, my last call. I, oh, okay. I want to end on a positive note. Sure, do it. Uh, <laughs> Sanction to me. Scholarship to coming home. Roy Williams was at the KU game on mm. Tuesday night. Uh, 
received a very warm welcome, and he said he realized that it was long overdue, and he thought that the KU fan base still was mad about him leaving for North Carolina. I'm sure they probably were, but people have given up, and I think that they've realized, hey. I don't think it's 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 easy to move on when you've got Bill. Self. Exactly. And exactly. That, that's what happened. Then Wednesday, he was in East Lansing to see Michigan State play, and I saw a video of him in the Michigan State locker room talking positively about uh, Michigan State's program, so good for him. Um, it's just nice to see Roy Williams traveling more in retirement than Coach K does while he actually coaches. I was about to say that. I was about to say, like, what does it say about these two guys that Roy Williams is taking his victory lap after it can't steal the spotlight from his own team and touring around the country, and Kay is doing the opposite of that and yelling at Georgia Tech players. Exactly. Yeah. Says a lot. Says a lot. <laughs> As we did on this show that is at Nearly least an hours. hour and a half long, probably closer to two hours. So we are going to shut up yeah. and talk to you again for our first Blaze Radio show of the upcoming semester. Wednesday night. On Wednesday night in the middle of the night at 11 p.m. So we can say naughty words. Um, also, shout out to us. Scholarship to us. IBS nominated. High five. Good job. Best Very sports nice. talk show. Thank you. Shout out to shout out Griff Peters. Shout out Jack Johnson. Shout out Carson Brother, yep. Logan Camden, Riley Swenson, Kevin Malater, everyone who's been involved. Shout out Braden Bell for approving yeah. the show the first time. Yeah, that's true. Big. I mean, Big didn't know what he was. Didn't know what he was uncorking. But here we are. Now we're just from Carvan Lane saying "What's up, fuckers?" to True Glory. <laughs> All right, <Crazy. laughs> this has been E Check. See ya. <laughs>